You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. And Tracy, it is the year 2024. So everything is I feel renewed. like we need like a theremin doing weird futuristic music at this point. Yeah, like, yeah. Have you ever seen, you ever, have you ever heard of Graham Norton? Yeah, yeah. So Graham Norton has a very long-running uh, talk show over in the UK, and uh, mm-hmm. he actually brought a theremin on stage one time and made Lady Gaga play it, which I thought was because because she doesn't know how or because she does because she didn't know how she had no idea how to play it she never played it before but he okay he, like, all right. had her sitting yeah. there playing it which I thought was interesting uh, so yeah so there's my theremin knowledge other than the fact that Sheldon played one on The Big Bang Theory to annoy Leonard. Yes. So, but anyway, it's 2024. Uh, everything is new again. So I get to start over with all my really bad puns. That's true. It's like none of them ever happened, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. You, you should probably set like a pun oriented resolution of some kind. Um, to start them all like, over again and just keep going. Uh, I mean, maybe that would certainly be, that would be the resolution on easy mode. You know, if you wanted to challenge yourself, you could set some sort of like goal for like out of however many episodes are in 2024, how many of them will I get Patrick Louise in? You know, you can kind of set it as either as like a goal. I want to have at least this many Patrick Louises or I want no more than this many or I I don't know. I I will say, I will say that the patrons, the patrons organized a drinking game based on that. And anytime you say Patrick Louise, they're supposed to take a shot and they're kind of upset that in 2023, none of them were able to get a buzz going. Oof. Yeah. Not, not a Speaking of brewing his own beer. I don't know if you want me to introduce him or if you want to introduce him, but Go this year, you're, you're all this year up. for the start, for the start of the year, uh, Tracy always goes, you know, like who, who do you have like a list of people that you'd like to bring on? Uh, I always give her a list. Uh, but in this case, I actually just reached out to some folks and said, Hey, love you to come on the beginning of the year. And one of them is our guest today, which is JT Evans. JT and I have known each other for a really, really long time, probably too long. Probably too long. Yeah, too it's long. been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. But uh, he's an author. Uh, he's a nerd. He does cool things. He used to make beer. I don't know if he still does. Uh, no, I got out of that a couple of years ago. It's kind of expensive and time consuming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of space. And have yeah, you, have, a lot, a lot have you time. considered like a Colorado version of Malort? Oh. I probably have made one of those, but it got poured out. Um, <laughs> yeah, more, more of an unintentional yeah, Colorado gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Um, yeah that, that was a moment of stupidity on my part uh, poor planning uh, mm-hmm. my wife was about to give birth to our child and I was like I'm going to start a batch of beer and while I'm on break from you know paternity leave I'll take care of the beer well I didn't also consider that I would have a baby to take care of yeah baby trumps beer yeah oh yeah kind definitely of, totally yes so Fast forward about a month later, the airlock on the carboy is dry, uh, which anybody out there that home brews is wincing right now. And that basically means that all sorts of mold and bacteria and other ucky stuff got into the beer. And yeah, it, it was, it was bad. It was bad. I was probably it could sentient have sold it. though? Like it, it was near sentient. Yes. Oh, it, wow. it, it was, okay. it was like rumbling in the night, uh, mm-hmm. trying, trying to figure out words. So, so you, yeah. you basically had a baby in one room, and in the other room, you had this this beer monster going, "Father, 
Yeah. Mother. <laughs> much. I mean, you really need to yes. make sure that the beer monster goes to its eternal rest before it, you don't want it to learn language before the baby does. This is a problem. True. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so JT, one of the reasons other than, you know, Patrick has known you for forever and, and, and gets to exercise the powers of his wish list as senior <laughs> operator of, of all things functional nerd. Uh, but one of the things that brings you here with us is you've recently released the second book in your second series, The Flashing Blade. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay, let, let, let's let's work from the assumption um, that we are all benighted stooges who know nothing of your, your great labors on this series. So start us <laughs> sure. in at the ground level. Let's do it. All right. So the Flashing Blade series is a sword and sorcery series. Um you know, in the vein of your uh, Robert E. Howard's and your Fritz Lieber's and your, uh, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the more modern comp, uh, the the Gentleman Bastard series, Scott Lynch, Scott Lynch, um, yeah. Scott Lynch, along along those lines. Uh, basically, the genesis of it was I was at Pikes Peak Writers Conference a good number of years ago, and Steve Saffel, one of the head editors of Titan Books, was giving a presentation, and somewhere along the way, he got a segue into sword and sorcery, and he stood up, because he, he presents sitting down, uh, but he stood up and very loudly announced, I want somebody to make a modern um, uh, Fawford and Grey Mouser story. And I stood up and pointed at him and said, challenge accepted. So I did. Uh, it took a while to, to, to actually get the project started because I was working on other things. Uh, but yeah, we have uh, a, a blade singer uh, named AL, who is a retired uh, slave gladiator. And uh, she is a very large, powerful black woman who is very well educated. Uh, before she was enslaved, she was, uh, 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 I guess, you know, literate, very well educated. Her father taught her quite a few things. And then her partner, Styles, is a lock whisperer, because so you can imagine he whispers to locks to open them. And he is a straight up street rat, illiterate, um, grew up in the slums of the city of Mesnik, which is where all this is set. And uh, they became fast friends. And have uh, gone on ventures together, and I am telling their stories. Uh, and oddly enough, although AL is the more educated, Styles is the more intelligent of the two, which is a fun dichotomy to play off of. Where you know AL has all the book learning, Styles has all the smarts. So okay. they 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 uh, uh, one of the the uh, running gags is AL will use a five dollar word. And Styles will stop and go, what'd you just call me? And <laughs> AL will have to explain, oh, no, 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 this word means blah, blah, blah. And she'll have to use smaller words to explain to Styles. He's like, ah, got it. And then later on, Styles will use that word. <laughs> <laughs> like all good street rats, he's also a sponge. Yes. Yeah. He is a sponge. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I basically, I'm just telling their stories. Uh, each book spans, I don't know, anywhere between 36 and 48 hours. They're very fast-paced books. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're not your epic tales that are going to take years or generations to tell. Uh, they're a very small cast of characters, mainly because I can't keep it all straight if I've got more than about a dozen named characters in a book, uh, <laughs> okay. d despite having notes. Um, so... 
Um, you know, don't expect your epic uh, George R. R. Martin type tales or uh, you know Wheel of Time type tales coming out of me. Uh, sure. That's just not my just not my style. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when you're so, talking, to- hold on, hold on, Tracy. So he's talking about the named characters and stuff. Um, JT is a, is a functional nerd, and he he does uh, some nerdy things with his writing. Do you still have like a wiki? You used to use uh, wiki software to track. I things? did. I used uh, Wikimedia, which is the same software that Wikipedia runs yeah. off of. And that was for a different world that uh, War Maiden, which you know, you're know you right. familiar with, Patrick. Uh, War Maiden, War Mistress, War Mother were all set in that world. Um, mm. And that was like a 9,000-page wiki that I assembled for a world partially for role-playing purposes – partially for writing purposes. It was kind of a, a, a cross purpose wiki. Um, I'm not doing that with uh, Mesnick. I have a map with a whole bunch of locations with numbers on them. So I know that this building is number 312 and the one next to it is building 313 and so on and so forth. And then I have an Excel spreadsheet with, you know, numbers and names and notes and gotcha. things of that nature. So I've simplified quite a bit. But yeah, okay. I still take copious notes and make massive outlines and and all that. So no, hyper organized. That's curious. Go ahead, Tracy. Well, actually, that that whole like line of conversation kind of anticipates where I was going because <laughs> you know, of course, if you're talking about like Fritz uh, Fritz Lieber and whatnot, then you inevitably end up kind of talking about Lankamar. Um, huh? And so, in a lot of ways, sword and sorcery is tied not just to you know, the very particular powers and skills and personalities of some iconic characters, but it's also really tied to place. Oh, and absolutely. so I, I think, I think talking about Mesnick for a bit uh, to kind of flesh out um, when we're envisioning the flashing blades world, what you're doing here that for you kind of fits the challenge from our Titan books editor of like, give me a modern sword and sorcery. Like how, how do you do the things that will make people go, aha, yes, I can see the bone structure of this in here, but also helps feel distinctly modern. So uh, the distinctly modern part is the easiest uh, uh, aspect um, because I tamp down, well, okay, that's the wrong phrasing, eliminate, eliminate the misogyny and racism and other negative elements of the works of that period. Um, you know, Fritz Lieber was probably one of the least offensive folks of, of his time, but there were still elements that crept into his work that by a modern lens or even a lens back then were like, Ooh, that's a little creepy man, you know? Um, so that's the, that's the easy part. You know, let, let's not do anything horrifically negative um, against a particular group of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. I do have slavery in the world, but it's not um, all black people are slaves or all slaves are black people, right? It, it, slavery is a, uh, a punishment for crimes against the empire. Um, if the crimes are not high enough to just for raw execution. Uh, so there are a, a wide variety of slaves and the empire is not a nice place. I mean, we put that up front and I spell that out very clearly in the, in the books that the emperor and his nation are unpleasant. Um, and AL and styles are doing their best to make it a little more pleasant, uh, through their efforts. Yeah. They're thieves, they're vagabonds, but they're, not quite Robin Hood because they steal from the rich and keep for themselves. 
but when they see somebody in trouble, they jump in to try to help that person, uh, even at great bodily risk to themselves. So, um, as far as the, the keeping the sword and sorcery flavoring of the stories, uh, it's a lot of small actions where you've got, you know, quick in and out fight scenes, uh, chase scenes through the street. And I don't just have chase scenes where they run between two buildings and into an alley. I will have them run between uh, Marla's tea shop and the house of the prosperous monkey. Cause those are the two buildings they're running between everything's named. So I don't just say they run between two buildings. I give the names of the buildings, which gives the city a little bit more of a 3d feel as opposed to just a generic, uh, your, your old uh, Western movie front of, you know, only the front of the buildings were built for the, the, the movie sets. Um, and since everything's named, you can see the, the, the 3d image in your mind of, of Mesnick. Yeah. See, if I was going to modernize it, I just had Bluetooth. <laughs> there's probably like a now that seriously makes me think though like if there's if there is a magic equivalent of bluetooth out there in fantasy literature i guess any any type of like telepathic item yeah or, like, telepathy, like it's telepathy it's, yeah it's kind of you know or like remote access or you know things that can things that can interface with your mind and well, D has the, the spell sending or message depending on what edition of D you're looking at that's kind of yeah. That's, that's I get yeah. I mean, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like like Discord, but in your brain. You know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna use sending to set up a group Discord server. Here we go. Please keep the memes to a minimum. They don't render well. <laughs> right. Um, you can't take up too much bandwidth. Uh, I do don't understand do? Discord. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I keep saying that. Like I even. I even recently I had a conversation with Robert. From the patrons, mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. and he mentioned something about Discord, and I'm like, I don't understand Discord. I don't understand why people like it so much. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. why they use it so much. It's horrible. <laughs> and I think it's it just IRC comes down to with free. images. I think it just comes down to free. It's free, it's yeah. People yeah. like it so much, but man, it's a pain in the ass. It really is to me. Like I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand the uh, the adoption of it so much especially in the writer world like so many people go oh my god we're going to start a discord server blah 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 it's like really <laughs> yeah the um so so years and years ago um when i first was signed on by my agent we had like a uh, a secret facebook group for all of her various clients and over time um you know especially after she moved from one agency to another and we all traveled with her we kind of as a group made the decision that the Facebook group wasn't the best space for us to keep in contact with each other. Um, and someone suggested discord and that more or less is the dividing line of when I went from being very active and communicating with my various agency siblings to kind of falling off the grid with them. Uh, (laughs) because I, you know, for the, the jump to discord was just enough of a difference. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't, it was Slack. They moved to Slack, which I hate. Okay. Um, I hate, I hate Slack way more than I hate discord. Um, and 
so they they moved to a Slack channel for it, and they 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 have reasons for liking it, and those reasons are you know they can, they can establish separate threads. People who get triggered by NaNoWriMo and don't want to talk about it when that time of year comes around, <laughs> we have a, we have a NaNoWriMo thread, we have a brag thread, we have a sad thread, we have you know I've been there often enough to see how it's kind of subdivided into things, um, and so that's that's useful and everything. But I don't know, man. As soon as they kind of put it into Slack, I was like, oh. No, this feels like a job. <laughs> like, this feels like any any technology that's used to organize people's workflows in an environment right, right. that involves paychecks. Be like, no, I just hit the eject button. I'm sorry. I yeah, I got anymore. Slack, Discord, and a new one, or at least new one to me, called Telegram, which is a Discord-like piece of software with a worse interface. Um, uh, my my only understanding, yeah. of, yeah, the only time anybody ever brings up Telegram, it seems to be uh, tied in with like uh, conspiracy groups and right wing extremists. So I'm wondering if Telegram is like the app for, um, is it spicy Discord? Is that what Telegram is? is it <laughs> maybe, maybe, Discord? yeah, it might have end to end encryption <laughs> in it where Discord doesn't. I don't know, I know. don't yeah. care. And as soon as some other group says, oh, we have this new blah, blah, blah communication tool, I'm just going to revolt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I want, I, I want, I want someone to bring AIM back. I miss AIM. There you go. I miss AIM as well. I miss the little sounds it made. AOL yeah. Instant Messenger. Come on. Yes, yes. That was AIM. actually good software for the day. That was my jam. That was my jam. I had that installed everywhere. Same, mm-hmm. same. <sighs> and it was right next to Winamp because you could size them both to be the same size <laughs> and put them next to each other on your screen. So you'd have Winamp and and AIM and uh, there was another one. What was ICQ, which was ICQ. another uh, chat. Yeah, I never software. had AIM, but I had that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And people would compare how many n- digits they had in their number because usernames were sequentially handed out. So like the guy that invented ICQ, he's user one and like his CTO or whatever is user two and so on and so forth. Mm. People like, I have a five digit ICQ number, which means they got in really early. Yo, you have a seven digit <laughs> ICQ number. You're not as worthy. And there was judgment. There was nerd judgment going on. There's always nerd judgment going on. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you're mentioning the, the serially handed out numbers and starting the dude, the inventor with one and so on. There was a, uh, a meme I saw circulate quite some time ago, really not related to, to the current, but I'm just, I'm, I'm doing the squirrel thing here. I'm going to, I'm going to spot <laughs> you, Patrick, and cover your squirrel thing. Um, there was a meme of a guy who was like in the upper story window of his house with a long gun. Um, and it was on the sill and the window was open. And like the, the text of the meme was like, when you come to pick up my daughter, I'll be watching you, you know, first boyfriend. And the long gun in question was like, a wooden stock lever action single shot rifle. Okay. And all of the comments on this, wherever the hell this person posted this thinking he was terribly clever and not in fact a sociopathic creep. Um, so wherever this sociopathic creep posted it, the comment thread on it was really the comedy gold as tends to be the case with these Sure. Things. And like someone was like, the serial number on that gun is one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just kind of went down and then be like where is your red coat bro and like all of the oh. all of the kinds of commentary that you would expect from there um which kind of circles us back into like uh sword and sorcery guns or no guns discuss uh we- i don't like 
okay, my favorite time earth time period to Mm -hmm. emulate in my fantasy is what is roughly the year 1000 current era um, or AD, however you want to phrase it. Um, because gunpowder was highly uncommon, but had still been invented. It was typically China in that region of the world where gunpowder was, was starting to come into commonality, but it wasn't common. If you swing your, your, you know, view of the world over to central Europe, Western or central Asia, Western Asia in Europe, there's no gunpowder. So there's no guns. Um, and that's the time period I like to emulate is around the year 1000. Um, matter of fact, I did a lot of research on London around the year 1000, which there were some, there's enough detail out there for me to get a picture. Um, but this was pre, uh, William the bastard. I mean, sorry, William the conqueror. Um, so you just do a yeah, branding change. It's yes, fine. He had a branding yeah, change. Is, there you go. This is there what you one go. does. Yes. Uh, so there hadn't been like a real census done until William came along 1066 and the Domesday yeah. book and all that. Uh, so, um, anyway, uh, Mesnick is about the size of London around the year 1000, which 20 to 30,000 inhabitants. So mm-hmm. a good sized city. That way I don't have to leave the city to tell new stories because it's a large enough city that I can just, it's my, it's a huge playground. I can run around and tell all sorts of tales uh, within, you know, the, the, the bounds of Mesnick kind of like Fritz Lieber and Lankmar. Of course, Fritz Lieber did tell some stories outside Lankmar, not, not many, but a few, um, but I have no intention of them of AL and styles leaving the city. Um, so more to the point of your, your question, I'm a, a, uh, anti-gun, uh, person when it comes to my fantasy. And that includes my role-playing games too. Mm-hmm. What, what okay. I, I've been sitting here thinking about the, the name of the genre, flintlock fantasies. Is that oh, what yeah. Oh so, yeah. yeah I, I've heard yeah. of those on this podcast. I forget which guest <laughs> it was who wrote the flintlock fantasies, but cause it's been a while. It's been, yeah. A good long while, but I forget who that was. I'm, I'm so my point being, I'm actually kind of okay with the idea of guns in sword and sorcery, but I'd like to see magical guns, not necessarily, not just like Uh, here's our big muzzle loading arquebus. Yeah. yeah, So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, Arcane League of Legends, which is kind of more steampunky. Yeah. But there's magic, right? And right. and you know, the, you've got the guy who harnesses the the magical energy and he starts building weapons that that are guns and that fire and that do stuff. Um so I'm I I am i am kind of okay with it, but at, at the same time, so I I've, I've been reading uh Michael J Sullivan's uh Age of Empire books, I think is what they're mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. and he does a really great job of introducing how new technologies change the battlefield. Oh, that's cool. So in, in the beginning, humans are not sophisticated at all. They don't like, they're still using bronze. So they're using bronze swords, bronze, uh, shields or wooden shields. And the elves who have, uh, better quality bronze and, and a little bit of other stuff are able to cut through their swords 
okay. you know, break their shields very easily and stuff. And uh, or, or as things start progressing, uh, you've got people who are uh, inventing, as an example, a bow. Uh, there's an inventor in this village and, and she sees uh, these elves throwing javelins. And then she sees a human try to throw the javelin and the human can't throw the javelin very far. And so she starts thinking, well, what if there was some way to throw the javelin further? And she okay, essentially, yeah. over the course of this book, invents a bow. Sweet. And 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 like her attempts are terrible. Like she's she's building this bow, and then the sticks are going everywhere. She calls them sticks, and she calls them little javelins <laughs> and tiny javelins, and and she's calling them all these different things, and and none of them are working. But it's it's neat to see the kind of progression. Uh, she also this same inventor, like she, she figures out how to make the arrows fly. She figures out how to do all this stuff. Uh, and so the, the bow starts to change the battlefield for the humans. Uh, but then she also watches dwarves making iron and she's determined that she can make it better. And so she kind of devotes herself to, to forging and doing stuff, and she ends up making steel. Very cool. And so humans kind of leapfrog everybody else because now humans have steel. And she's like, well, and she names it. She's like, since I got kind of got this idea from the dwarves, I'm calling it steel. <laughs> stole it from them. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I do like when that happens because, I mean, that, that really happened for, you know, in our history. Uh, it's the reason something is called bulletproof, Right. Because they used to test it on armor, right. yep, and and they're like, this armor's not bulletproof because the bullet goes through it. So I don't know. I I, I think that uh, if you're trying to show a natural progression, um, like one of one of the big things that that people complain about because we like to complain is how things don't change in fantasy world settings, right? The technology doesn't change. It's like they're stuck forever in this one age of technology, and things don't progress. Uh, it's nice to see some progression. Agreed. So I'm okay with yeah. Those. I'm okay with them. Yeah, yeah. Long answer, Tracy. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. It's cool. I'm uh, I'm interested since you brought up elves and dwarves and things, though, Patrick. How like a lot of sword and sorcery worlds confine themselves largely to just envisioning humanity differently, and then everything else is a monster. You know, everything else is something you yeah. hit with a sword. Um, sure. And so I'm kind of kind of interested in how you navigate that in your work jt yeah so i more or less come fresh off of writing uh your typical fantasy trilogy that uh patrick has seen a good chunk of uh that is now firmly in the trunk until it gets a 100 percent rewrite um it, it it's 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 okay but not good enough uh anyway that involved elves and dwarves and humans and goblins and orcs and blah 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 you know your typical fantasy tropes uh, species um i wanted to step away from that for my own personal enjoyment so everybody's a human uh i don't even have you know monstrous elves or the evil dwarves or the the uh thieving fairy folk or you know i, I don't have any of the negative connotations applied to non-human species because there are no non-human species there are mythological creatures and i don't 
I'm making up my own for this world, like in Hive Dreams, the one that just came out last month. Um, there are dream rats. Um, I probably should have called them nightmare rats because they're not pleasant critters to be sleeping around. Um, but everybody just calls them dream rats because they invade your dreams, uh, paralyze you, crack open your skull and eat you, eat your brains while you're paralyzed in this like sleep paralysis state. Um, so they're, they're, they're not nice critters to be around. Um, but the, uh, um, I'm only using your kind of fantastical creatures as the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm doing my best to avoid, Oh, look, it's a manticore or look, it's a, you know, chimera or whatever. I'm making up my own critters for my world. Cause I want this mm-hmm. really to be kind of my world. Um, I, I think the role-playing game was Talislantia, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. that right, where where there were no normal tropish creatures or species for, for playable PC species or for monsters. The, everything was unique, which was a huge barrier of entry for playing the role-playing game because people would show up and be like, I want to play an elf. And you have to tell them, sorry, there's no elves, but there's these green tree dudes that are kind of like elves that you can play. <laughs> so... Yeah. That, that reminds me, did you did you see that there's a Fallout TV show coming? I heard about it, yes. So this is based off the Fallout video game. And apparently right, the, right. First, the first two episodes, almost uh, two hours uh, worth of content is just character creation. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yep. I need the smile to look different. <laughs> that one just looks weird. It's a little creepy. I'm going to toggle over here. No, right. no, that yeah. one's not any better. And, and the rest of the series is about trying to find batteries for your power suit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was I'm all, okay like, with Nuka-Cola caps, though. Like, yeah. I'm I'm okay with elves and dwarves and stuff like that. Like, I oh, I, me too, totally. Yeah, I, me too. I think it's funny. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take this conversation in a slightly different direction to to illustrate my problem or my point. Um, you see tons of articles about uh, people have superhero fatigue. They're superhero yeah. fatigue. They're, they're tired of superhero movies. I disagree. I think they're tired of shitty movies. It's not a superhero fatigue. It's a fatigue of giving us shitty movies. Sure. Um, and that's been happening a lot. It's like really bad movies. And and if you if you if you spent the time on the movie and crafting it in a, in a better way and making it more impactful and a, and a better story and better characters and everything else. I don't think you would have people complaining about the movie, but it's become this churn out something as quickly as possible model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't work. Right. It's like, Oh, we got to get this out the door. We got to get this out the door. Uh, it's kind of similar to me in, in, in fiction with the, with this, the idea of these tropish, races and stuff that you're talking about. Um, you have a lot of people who will go, no, no, that's been done to death. I don't want to do that. And as soon as someone writes a really good story with them and it hits, everybody wants more. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I get that, that you'll have people going, ah, oh, this is boring. You're doing elves again. Elves been done to death. If you do that really, really well, you won't hear that. You'll, you'll hear other people, especially in publishing going, uh, 
Oh, we're not looking for that right now. We're looking for elf stories. You have an elf story? Give us an elf story. <laughs> need elf right, stories. Right. Like, because that's the way that's the way that business model kind of works, right? It's like uh, for years and years and years, no one wanted vampire stories, and then Twilight hit, and suddenly they wanted vampire stories. Sure. Um, there's no zombies. No, we don't want zombies. And then there's you know the Walking Dead hits, and they're like, no, no, we want zombie stories. It, it, it's just kind of the the way of the cycles of of stuff. So sure. Uh, I, I think if you do it well, if you if you tell a good story and you have good characters and a good world and stuff, I, I think you kind of get past that and people people will want it. If that makes sense, right? I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm I like elves and dwarves and all that good stuff. Oh, so do I. I just as as a creative, I was tired of playing with those particular toys. They'd grown sure. boring for me, so I wanted different toys to play with. So um, I just change directions a little bit but yeah as a consumer as a reader yeah give me all the elves give me all the dwarves give me all the the you know fantastical stuff uh if i know i'm getting into it like it's not going to be a surprise sure give me guns and fantasy but it kind of needs to be marketed that way not a not not somebody pulling a glock from behind their back and shooting the dwarf <laughs> in the head right because because i'm gonna be like wait a minute where'd that come from um well, but if it was like dog the dwarf killed his oh, dog. There, there you go. There you go. Yes. So if it's like, uh, uh, you know, Glocks and Sorcery was the, the 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 genre that it was put on the on the book, the cover of the book. I actually, I'd probably be all over that. Really, that that kind of sounds fun. <laughs> one of one of my favorite memes from back when the snap happened uh, in in the Avengers movies. You know, the snap uh, was that. Uh, uh, John Wick kills Thanos because the snap killed his dog. Oh gosh! <laughs> it makes for a much shorter Endgame movie. That's for sure. Yes, a lot yes. shorter. Yeah. I don't know, John Wick. What's the most recent John Wick? Is it four that's out? Four, I, think. I believe four. four yeah. yeah. And, all, yeah, and, and the first four three, was the a first pretty three, long flick. The first three have all hit Netflix now. Everything is on Netflix. Oh, there like, you go. There you go. There, uh, there's so much stuff that hit Netflix all at once. And I'm like, streaming wars are over. Like they, they've just given up. They're, they're like, we need money. Uh, give it all to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John Wick four was a pretty lengthy movie. Uh, good movie. Don't get yet. me wrong. It, it was, it was really good. I'm not going to spoil oh. it. Um, there's one three. scene that was Equalizer repeated. three has also hit Netflix. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, there, there's one scene that was like rinse repeat from a previous scene that I don't think they needed in John Wick Four, but yeah, it, it it added like ten minutes to the movie, so no big deal. <laughs> sure. Well, on the on the subject of of how we use ten minutes, I think it's time to fix the week. <laughs> Sounds good. Picks of the week. All right. So, Patrick, what's a what's the pick to start the new year for you? <sighs> Believe it or not, so I had uh, I'm going to go with this thing that I bought that I've been talking about on the patrons page. So, I bought a Mohu Leaf over the air HD antenna. This is an okay. indoor one, and you affix it to your wall. And it picks up any HD signals, supposedly. And in Denver, in the what we call the Front Range, it said that uh, within 60 miles of my home address, I should be able to pick up 
roughly 155 over-the-air channels, which is ridiculous. As someone who remembers UHF and VHF, <laughs> when you had like yep. four or five channels and one of them never came in well, right. uh, it's kind of crazy to think that you have that many HD channels all coming from Lookout Mountain and where all the transmitters are. So I, I decided I wanted to try that because I do like some sports ball things uh, that I know that not everybody is into, but I am. And I, I just, I wanted to, to try something different because it gets really expensive, really expensive to try to stream sports online. And so I decided I wanted to try this thing and it works fairly well. I'm, I'm, I am impressed with it. I got one of the pro amplified versions and I have not had an issue yet except that the local abc channel just will not come in but uh, for the most part everything else comes in so if i want to just sit there and watch blue buds on ion for the rest of my life like i could because it seems like that's the only thing that's on that channel all day and all night and uh there's like my tv if i want to watch mash which i don't Mm -hmm. oh yeah but uh yeah so like i got this thing it was really simple to to set up um it 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 had a little bit of a problem sticking to the wall and kind of bounced back and tried to attack me. But other than that, <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting thing. You just, it's got, it's got the old style coax and you just put it on the wall and you run the coax to your TV. And if your TV still has a coax jack, which mine does. And, and then you plug the, there's a USB cord that you plug into the USB port on your TV to power the damn thing, which I thought was interesting. And then you just scan for live channels like you used to a really, really long Mm -hmm. time ago. And it finds channels and then you can watch them. It's, it's old school TV and yes, there's commercials and yes, there's all the garbage that you normally have to go through. But uh, now I've got sports ball. So I am, I'm happy with it. It was only like 60 bucks. I want to say I may or may not. I kind of did it as an experiment and that's why I felt fine spending 60 bucks on it. Um, I might go with an outdoor version. You can get an outdoor version and, and my house actually does have an old school, uh, one of those an aerial like, aerial with all the things coming off of it. Like yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. one, but it's not attached to anything. <laughs> it's not like hooked up <laughs> to anything. Um, but it's, it's near where the, I used to have, dish and it's near where the dish stuff is so i could if i wanted to take that aerial down put an hd antenna up point it at lookout mountain look out and uh and then run the coax down to the coax that runs through the house so i may or may not do that because it's not that much more i want to say it's like 75 dollars to get that one yeah um so i may or may not do that i haven't decided yet but for now as a you know as a cord cutting kind of thing it's an interesting experiment. And uh, there's also a, uh, if I want one, there's a DVR that I could buy. It's a one-time spend for a DVR. And then you just hook that up to your antenna and you can actually record stuff and pause live TV and all that good stuff if you want to. So it's a, it's an interesting time to be a cord cutting person if you want to be. Nice. Yeah, we nice. went through that process a few years back with the whole, I'm going to buy three indoor antennas, one for each TV uh, at the price point of probably 40 bucks per antenna. And then none of them really worked very well because of interference from the, you know, the building itself because the antennas are inside the house and we're very remote and our antennas are on Cheyenne mountain. 
So we're, which is south of Colorado Springs. We're northeast of Colorado Springs. So yeah, uh, I bailed on that and did the outdoor HD antenna and that worked for us very well. And again, like you said, Patrick, I tapped into the, all the cabling that Dish had wired for us. So yeah, because you, you're, you're, you're out in the country. Yeah, the country. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Y'all are so fancy. <laughs> so JT, what's your pick? Uh, my pick is a book. Uh, it was released uh, roughly two days before my book. Uh, and it is a buddy of mine, Liam Gray. And uh, Gray is spelled the European way with an E, so G-R-E-Y. And his debut novel is Fetch Wife which is all one word. Uh, so, so if you search for fetch space wife, I have no idea what Amazon's going to give you. Uh, but fetch wife, one word, what should uh, result in Liam's book. And it is um, a Norse themed uh, Norse inspired uh, urban fantasy set in modern day Pacific Northwest, small town in the Pacific Northwest. Huh. Uh, so it's, uh, basically, a, a, a police officer turned EMT um, is having some weird things happen in her life, and it evolves into a murder mystery uh, style urban fantasy. So, with the you know the the Norse inspired um, themes, and I had the honor and privilege of actually doing the beta reading and editing on it, and it's it's just I there were times where I realized, Oh, I actually haven't been editing for the last 25 pages. I've been reading for the tw past 25 pages. Cause it's just that damn good. So I had to like flip back in the manuscript. Cause I edit on paper, flip back in the manuscript and go, Oh, there's the last red mark I made. All right. I will start. I will <laughs> slow down and pay attention to what the hell I'm doing. Um, and then, you know, carry on from there. But it, it, it was, it's a fun read. It It's, uh, Liam knows his stuff when it comes to, you know, Norse mythology and mythos and, and mysticism and all that. It, it's really well done. Um, and he got a much better cover than I did. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play to Liam. All right. So um, somewhat against type, uh, my pick of my first pick of 2024 is a movie. Uh, and so we have a tradition in Shay Townsend on uh, New Year's Eve of, of course, playing board games, duh, but also generally watching Godzilla movies. Um, like we will just mainline Godzilla movies. And anybody who's familiar with the Godzilla mythos knows that there's a pretty stark dividing line between the Godzilla movies that people tend to think of when they think of Godzilla movies, which are the silly rubber suit kind of campy things uh, with like we will – can we get the fairies to fight Godzilla? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and then there's very different Godzilla movies. Uh, ones that are, ones that are darker, ones that are sort of more intense, ones that are more narratively driven. And we ended up watching Shin Godzilla, uh, on, on New Year's Eve. And, uh, it's, uh, 2016 was when it came out. So it's from a few years back. And, one of the things about the sort of larger Godzilla mythos, which is kind of interesting, and again, the dividing line between the silly ones and the not silly ones, is the silly ones, of course, are a big bunch of kaiju wreck stuff. The not silly ones, the film is almost never actually about Godzilla. 
the film is about something else that is the real villain that is making it harder to fight Godzilla. You know, in the original 1954 one, it is the irradiation of the world and nuclear proliferation. Um, But if you go to Shin Godzilla in 2016, in a lot of ways, the real nemesis is the government. And it's a really interesting, and not in the ways I think that people would imagine, not like some kind of deep state conspiracy type of thing, uh, but in the sense of the government bureaucracy, like government's own tendency to, towards being cumbersome is in fact the thing that makes Godzilla that much more dangerous because no one knows how to mobilize and no one knows how to take effective action. And you have to have six meetings in order to agree to have a meeting um, and all. Of, and, and so it's really interesting to kind of have a Godzilla movie where there's so much tension and drama and like emotional investment bound up in just like dudes in suits having meetings. Um, but don't worry, there's also still plenty of smashing things. So if you're interested <laughs> in kind of getting a sense of how the modern serious manifestations of Godzilla have, have been treating stuff in recent years, I would check out Shin Godzilla, especially if you're um, planning on seeing Godzilla minus one in the near future. Cool. Do you ever think they're going right. to bring Matthew Broadback, Broderick back into Godzilla? Or Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> no. I actually saw that in a theater. Oh. Like money, <laughs> money, yes. Left my hand yes. and went to someone else. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the only good thing that came out of that was like the 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 Led Zeppelin cover, um, and, and even that was kind of not actually great. <laughs> All right, so JT, where can people find you and find your cool stuff uh, in the upcoming near futures? All right. So really, I got a one-stop shop for all things me online, and that is jtevans.net. If you need something built in the Dallas area, feel free to go to jtevans.com. That's a construction company. That's not me. Uh, If you want some creative fiction, uh, head over to the .net variant of the domain. And in the upper right corner of every page, you can see links to all my social medias, my Facebook, my Blue Sky, some Instagram, Pinterest, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that, that is the one stop. That, that's the easy way to find me online. Uh, and if you want to read more about my books, uh, there's information about my Flashing Blades series, my modern mythology series, my various published short stories, so on and so forth. And if you want to know how AL and Styles originally met, you can sign up for my newsletter and get a free short story uh, concerning their origin story, like how they actually became friends and got together and all that good stuff. So, Awesome. And what was that website again? <laughs> JTEvans.net. And how are you spelling JT? G- James Tiberius. There you go. There you go. I have a friend that says JT stands for James Tiberius, which it thankfully doesn't. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for being with us, JT. Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. And so it came to pass that one year shall end and a new year shall begin. Welcome, dear listeners, to the year 2024. Will it be a better year than its predecessor? Only time will tell. My new dual monitor mount thingy from my desk toppled over and sent my coffee cup over the edge, splashing coffee all over my desk, my clothes, the carpeted floor beneath my feet. 
Looking a lot like 2023 there, 2024. Hey, have you ever heard of Beyond the Trope? They've got a podcast just like we do, only they have announced it will be ending on their 10th anniversary, which makes me sad. But Giles and Michelle have planned to go out with a bang-up list of guests you won't want to miss. So go check them out, Beyond the Trope. Also, I win. Also, also, for us, don't forget to share this episode with your own friends. And if you haven't already done so, check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash functional nerds. If you like what we do, feel free to toss us a couple of bucks a month to help pay the bills. Also, 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 like us or give us a star or a review on your preferred podcast platform wherever you're grabbing episodes from or streaming. It helps, and we appreciate it. Now, did you know that in the 1960s, the CIA tried using cats to gather intel on the Kremlin and Soviet embassies? They equipped the cats with battery-operated microphones and antenna to record data. I wonder how that turned out. Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah, you can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel. Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise. <laughs> Hello, Patrick. It is I, Clayface. Okay. That's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I really love what you do, I'm like, I'm sorry, do you know who I like I think you have me confused with someone else? The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited. <laughs>